0: Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. I drive, center field, the wall! This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. What's
0: going on, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on Tuesday, December 21st. Frank Stample here. No Scott White as he's out on a well-deserved vacation, but I am not alone. Happy holidays to everybody. We've got a fun week planned, and if you enjoy Kokomo Friday, you are going to love today's podcast because the guest that I have today is actually one of my favorite people in the industry. I don't know that this person actually knows that. But someone that is filled with energy, positivity, knows how to have fun, knows his fantasy baseball, and he makes awesome, awesome music. Welcome into the show, Michael Govier, What is happening, my man?
1: Hey, wow, I cannot believe it. Do you believe in miracles? Yes, I do. I'm here on the CVS Today Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am thrilled to be here. I did not know that, by the way. Thank you so much for saying that, Frank. Uh, it's an honor and a pleasure and right back at you.
0: Hey, man, look, you deserve the praise. You're, I think you're doing great work. Uh, so everyone, make sure you follow him on Twitter at MJ Govier. that's G-O-V-I-E-R, over on Twitter. You can listen to him on the Palazzo podcast and over at Rotofanatic. You can find some of his work there. Uh, I know you got uh, a few other things going on as well, so I'll give you the opportunity just here, up front, before we get started on on the fun, before we jump in to promote anything that you've got going on right now. Well, Frank,
1: I've... Been an admirer of this show, and it's pretty wild for me to be on here. I got to give a shout out to BYB, the Bless You Boys. That's my home league. They're going to love this. They'll probably be stunned. Casey and the crew are going to be shocked that I'm on the podcast today, so thank you for that. I run Rota Fanatic with several wonderful people, including Matt Williams. Matt Williams is an excellent analyst, and he has his player breakdowns all available. They say they're the best in the business. They're like thread after thread on Twitter with detailed analysis that gives you everything you need to know about each individual player. We index them all at rotofanatic.com. It's a great way to make sure you're really in touch with your player analysis. And Matt's one of the best in the biz. Plus, we have other people who do great work there. And uh, you can check it all out at rotofanatic.com. And lastly, we have a thing going on with Fantrax, too. So if you go to fantrax.com slash rotofanatic, we're doing a, a bunch of leagues there. So if you sign up for leagues, you're going to play anyways. Go to Fantrax.com slash Rotofanatic and uh, you'll have a good time, I swear.
0: Yeah, look, this is, I understand it's a very early time. There's probably a lot of people that are not drafting, but there are some people that are currently drafting. And right now, I mean, it's a good way to just Uh, become familiar with the player pool, ADP, see where some players are going. And you can do a bunch of best ball drafts right now. And there's no in-season management. You literally just draft your team and you accrue points throughout the course of the season. And I know Fantrax is a place where you can play those best ball drafts. So uh, if you're looking for something to get in on right now, just kind of, you know, become familiar with what what the player pool looks like in fantasy baseball in 2022. I think that's a good way to do exactly that. I mentioned on the podcast today, we're going to have some some music, some songs that Mike created himself. Uh, every like fifteen, twenty minutes throughout the course of the podcast, I will introduce a new song, and we'll talk about said song and the players involved in that song. And of course, we will uh, do a little bit of fill in the blank here on the podcast. Honestly, Mike, I wanted to come up with something more fun than that, more fun than fill in the blank, because again, <laughs> you're a fun dude. You're you bring the energy. But hey, look at me. <laughs> I think I think fill in the blank will be will be just fine. So let's start there. Number one, and again, these are all for polarizing players. And look, if we're talking polarizing players you know who we got to start with it's got to be Adalberto Mondesi so fill in the blank number one if Adalberto Mondesi plays 120 games this year 120 that's a lot of games for Adalberto Mondesi he will hit blank home runs with blank stolen bases Mike you're up
1: 120 games wow that's not really something we know Mondesi ever to have reached, but I would say 27 home runs and 62 steals. Oh my gosh. That is just a completely
0: absurd number. And I don't blame you. I I don't blame you, right? Like, based
1: on he's going to be there, I mean, 120 games, that's a he steals bases like a madman, Frank. So I think this is which one's more ridiculous, the steals number or the homers? Uh,
0: Man. That is a good question. Probably the home runs, which is crazy to say because like 62 steals over 120 games is just a a completely ridiculous number. But let's just look at what he did this past season, right? Six homers, 15 steals, super small sample size. I get it. Only 35 games. That is a 20 homer, 51 steal pace over 120 games. So you're really not even that far off. So I know that those projections sound lofty. Again, uh, Steamer, as of now, over on Fangraphs, has Monsey projected for 136 games, which, I, look, look, let's be honest, it seems pretty ridiculous. I mean, he's never played more than 102 games at the MLB level. He did play totally. 50, 59 out of 60 in the shortened season in 2020, so managed to stay healthy that year. We all remember what happened in the shortened season. His first month was awful. His second month was amazing. Some people might have picked him up, and he won you fantasy baseball championships. So you say 27 homers, 62 steals. I'll go with, hmm, if he can get to 120 games, let's say, I'll say 23 homers, 53 steals, which is just like, right. is, is completely insane. Now, Mike, do you actually like drafting Adelbert to Montessi? Are you someone that's willing to take the plunge and, and take the chance on Montessi? I'll pull up his ADP real quick. I know that it it is lower this year than it has been in years past, uh, but overall on the NFBC right now, Montessi's ADP is 53.46. So if you're playing a 12-teamer, that's like an early fifth-round pick. If you're playing a 15-teamer, that's a mid-fourth-round pick. What do you think?
1: Yeah, you know, this is strange because I've tried before the show. I prepped, I really did. I put in the work, folks. Believe it or not, I do put in the effort. I always try to keep it real. If I'm not doing the work, I'll tell you. But in this case, I was excited to be on this podcast. And I'm like, okay, whose career mirrors Albertos in terms of this injury plagued early on, like 20s to 25? First off, a guy we're going to talk about next actually kind of connects to that as well. But There's not a lot of guys I could find. There's guys that get injured when they're 25 to 27. I thought of Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley was a guy who had a couple of years there where he was really injured. People said he was a lost cause, but he came back and was very, very good for the Astros. So... For me, Mondesi is a guy drafted second round last year. I'll admit that freely. I didn't do it often, but last year I drafted him in the second round of my very own Palazzo Podcast Invitational, which is a draft and hold, 50 rounds, do or die. You're stuck with the players you have, rest of season. So that really did not go very well for me, especially in a format like draft and hold, where you're just stuck with your roster.
0: Yeah, no, that, I, 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 Drafted him in one of those as well in NFBC Draft Champions last year in the second round. I think I followed up with like DJ LeMayhew in the third round, so boom! That was uh, a great team. <laughs> those were my first two hitters drafted there. Uh, so did not turn out to be a great one. You, you brought up Michael Brantley. I, start, I tried to think of a comp as well. Jacoby Ellsbury was someone that kind of came to mind. You know, he was injured. He had that one massive season with Boston. But uh, yeah, look, Monacy is in a league of his own. He is a very polarizing player, rightfully so. Very injury prone. No, you don't technically get a zero when he's out. You know, you could fill in uh, while, you know, he's injured. He's he's third base eligible as of now. Maybe he plays shortstop when the season starts. It seems like Bobby Witt is going to get called up one way or another early on in the season. Whether to play shortstop or third base, I think that's kind of up in the air right now. So regardless, uh, I would not project Mondesi for 120 games. Maybe I project him for 80 to 100, something like that. And anything I get more than 100, I think I would just be really, really happy with. As of now... Even with the discount, I don't think Mondesi is someone that I'm going to be drafting myself. Fill in the blank number two. We are up to Tyler O'Neill. If Tyler O'Neal's ceiling, let's just say his ceiling is 40 homers and 20 steals. Last year he hit 34 homers, 15 steals over, uh, I didn't write down how many games he has because why would he do uh, 138 <laughs> games. It was 138 games. Uh, if, if that's his ceiling, 40-20, then his floor is blank. What say you?
1: Oh, boy, man. I think his floor... Does this include injuries? Or are we saying he plays those games, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's assume <sighs> that he's he's healthy for these games. Obviously, strikeouts could be an issue. So he managed to hit 286 this season. He impacts the ball really hard. The guy is a freak, a physical freak. There's no doubt about that. He's super strong. He's super fast. And we just saw it this season. He finally managed to stay healthy. So let's just assume health here. What is his downside? What is the floor for him in terms of home runs, and steals.
1: Oh, I got to tell you here, I'm going to say his floor, if he plays that much, is 22 home runs. Uh, He's a very high BABIP guy, by the way. You look at his stats and you think, well, he got really lucky with the batting average last year. But throughout his minor league career, too, he was a high BABIP dude. So don't be turned off by, oh, he's a fluke with the high BABIP, but the average is going to tank. But for me, it's 22 home runs. And I still say if he plays that many games, he should crack 25 steals. 22 homers, 25 steals. So
0: you like the floor quite a bit. What about the batting average? What do you think about the batting average? Because the the strikeouts, again, 31% strikeout rate this year. He still managed a two eighty six batting average, largely because of that BABIP. But he impacts the ball so hard. So I think he will maintain a high BABIP. Uh, what do you think? What What, what is the, the floor here in terms of the batting average for him?
1: Well, anybody who gets unlucky with a BABIP that goes down the toilet is going to have a bad batting average. That's basically just how the game works. But he like I said, consistently has a solid BABIP. I expect the floor here, if things go south in that many games. Uh, By the way, the other thing here, Frank, this has to be brought up. What's the baseball like this year? Like, baseball is driving me bonkers. We never even know which baseball's in the game anymore. What type is it? Is it the one that cranks out homers? Is it the one that limits homers? We never know. The players don't know. So that's just a variable I'm going to throw in there that we cannot forget about. But having said all that, that one aside even though it's a huge, huge matzo ball sitting out there. I'll say that uh, 225, probably, is the floor. Okay, so 225, 22
0: homers, 25 steals for you. I will agree with the batting average. I think the floor can get pretty low there, especially with how much he strikes out. I mean, a near an over 32% strikeout rate for his career uh, definitely could, you know, that could sour. That, that could definitely hurt things as the season goes along. But... Yeah, I think 22 is probably a good number in terms of the home runs. We just saw 15 steals this year. I'll say, you know, 12 steals. So, I mean, really, is this floor that bad? I I think the batting average, yeah, but home runs, steals, I seems like he, he's going to be pretty safe in, in terms of that. So you look at Stackhouse again, like if you follow Stackhouse at this point, this guy is amazing. Like he's built, he's chiseled, super strong, 98th percentile sprint speed, 97th percentile barrel rate. You don't see those two things together with one player uh, very often. Can he stay healthy? I think that's part of it. Again, for this exercise, we were assuming health, but he played 138 games this past season. He played 107 back in 2019. And then in 2018, he played 125 games, and that was across all levels. So he has to show us that he could stay on the field. His current ADP is Tyler O'Neal, 50.97. So he's not really far off from uh, Mondesi, who we were just talking about. He's an early fifth-round pick in 12-team leagues. He's in the fourth round of a 15, 15-teamer. 15 who would you rather have, Tyler O'Neill or Adalberto Mondesi?
1: Oh, come on, man. Uh, To me, the safer play would probably be O'Neal. Yeah. Uh, Just because I trust the Cardinals more to do the right thing with their players. And also, I'm taking what Mr. Moore, the general manager of the Kansas City Royals, said very seriously about limiting his playing time in the future. That means Modesty would be limited because they just can't trust him to be an everyday player. You know, he made a big stink about that back in late, late August, early September, when he says he didn't know if... Modesty could ever be an everyday player, and I take that seriously, especially, we'll talk about this later as well, a lot of fun talent coming up for this squad in Kansas City.
0: All right. Uh, Just in terms of outfielders, Tyler O'Neal going just ahead of George Springer, Randy Reyna. What do you think? You agree with that? Would you you take O'Neal ahead of both
1: of those guys? No, I would definitely take <laughs> Randy of Rosarina. In fact, I wrote it down in my prep that I would prefer to take a Rosarina over O'Neill entirely if I was in that situation, which they both are. A Rosarina's around 56 ADP according to my latest data, give or take. So I'm taking a Rosarina all day. I love the Rays. I trust the Rays. I don't worry about platoons as much. A Rosarina seems to play through that consistently, and he's gonna keep getting better. I love a Rosarina big time in twenty twenty two.
0: Yeah, they're kind of similar players though, you know, a Rosa and Tyler Neal They're just kind of like these freak athletes. They strike out both quite a bit, but That's true. Yeah.
1: No, I, I think But oh uh, Springer gets hurt a lot. Springer, I'm I'm not interested in Springer, even though that's a great team, a great offense. I just yeah. I can't trust him to be out there enough.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you there. It's I kind of just want to grab as many pieces of the Blue Jays as I possibly can. I mean, that offense was so, so ridiculous last season. They lose Marcus Semien, so I think we all kind of project like they'll take a step back. How much of a step back? I don't know. I mean, hopefully Lourdes Gurriel can bounce back. They still have a ton of great pieces in that offense. So They got uh, young talent coming in there, too. There's
1: another guy we'll talk about later. I'm telling you, this that is a team that is loaded with so much talent, oozing opportunity. When one guy leaves, they're like, yeah, hey, it's fine. We got plenty <laughs> to
0: reload with. Yeah, uh, Gabriel Moreno, uh, Jordan Groshans, lots of players coming here for the Toronto Blue Jays, which brings us to our first song that I wanted to play from you, Mike. And it's very relevant right now because we were just talking about a few prospects. So what we're going to do is we'll play these songs and then we'll, we'll kind of talk about it from a, a fantasy perspective. And song number one, You're Up.
1: all the above don't need money don't take fame don't need no credit card to ride on this train it's strong and it's sudden it's cruel sometimes but it might just save your life that's the power of prospects that's the power
0: Dude, that is amazing. You sent these over earlier today. I'm like, is that really you? It's amazing.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, you know, I did that one early on in 2021, and uh, I got some positive responses from it. I actually think it's one of my favorites as well, because I love Huey Lewis in the news, and it just kind of worked out. Now, Wander Franco's like beyond a prospect. He's a real player now. That's how much time has already traveled by. Yeah, so I'm actually doing my
0: first NFBC Draft Champions right now, and I wound up with Wander Franco. I drafted him at the end of the fifth round. I think at the time, that was like his max pick. So I was like, all right, I don't really love when he goes in the third round, but if he's going to last to the fifth round, sure, I'll take a shot on Wander Franco. Great call. Uh, So with the power of prospects, Mike, give us one. Give us one of your favorite prospects to target in redraft leagues in 2022.
1: All righty. Well, you know, I was out there for the first pitch, which is a fun little baseball event that happens every year related to the Arizona Fall League. And I got to see, unfortunately, I only saw one game. I should have gone to more games, but it was my first time, and it was so busy, and I met so many people in real life for the first time. You know, I started doing this right before COVID started, so I've been doing a lot of this online and through virtual settings, so it was fantastic to connect with legit prospect people. You know, it was so cool to do that. And I got to see that one game, and some players inspired me, but the one that I really, really was impressed by. And I'm thinking in redraft, I'm excited about, it's probably right now, uh, I think it's Juan Yapez of the Cardinals. Now, he's getting a lot of buzz. He kicked butt in the Arizona Fall League. He looked really, really good. He's a guy who's turning 24. Uh, he was part of a Matt Adams trade a few years back from Atlanta. It was just a, or no, last year's, no, a couple years ago. whatever. they got rid of Matt Adams, Matt Adams was on Atlanta. He's been on so many teams now. I've lost track. Point being is Juan Lopez is able to keep the strikeout rate down with a nice walk rate around 12%. Keeps the strikeouts at 20% or under, and he's increased his power and his overall swing and approach. He had a 154 WRC plus in 92 games at AAA last year. Now, the only caveat is he's probably going to rely on the DH to be redrafted usable this year that's the only concern because he's got Paul Goldschmidt and other players that are in the mix at the corner infield he could play a little bit outfield too if he needs to but he's probably a first baseman slash DH
0: yeah we had the Welsh on recently kind of doing like an AFL recap and he talked to us a lot about Juan Yapez, and and he likes him quite a bit he said you know the universal DH with the Cardinals is something that could definitely get Yapez some playing time and then he brought up Lars Nubar, and he's like, "Don't forget about Lars Nubar because he was really, really good down at the <laughs> AFL as well." Don't so. forget about
1: Lars Nubar. <laughs> Such a great name, the best name in baseball history to date. Unreal. He told us that uh, apparently
0: Lars Nubar trademarked it, and he's he's legitimately coming up with some kind of candy bar. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, we're all thinking it, and you did it, Lars. Thank you. Thank you, Lars.
0: That is amazing. Yeah. So Juan Yapez, a name to remember. Uh, Lars Newbar as well. Two that can kind of work their way in. Universal DH. Maybe Newbar as a fourth outfielder if our guy Tyler O'Neill struggles a little bit. If Harrison Bader struggles a little bit, maybe Lars Newbar can work his way into a little bit more playing time there as well. A name that I'm pretty interested in redraft in terms of prospects for 2022. Jose Miranda, I, he, he's kind of like Juan Lopez in that he doesn't have a position. He's kind of positionless within the Twins organization. He just had one of the best seasons in the minor leagues where he hit 344, 30 homers, a 973 OPS, And I kind of think the Twins can use him at this point. I was a little surprised that they didn't call him up towards the end of last season, but whether he gets some at-bats at third base, can he play a little first base? Can he DH for them? Do they bring Nelson Cruz back? I don't know. There's a couple of things up in the air right now, but Jose Miranda, especially, that he has third base eligibility, third base is bad. It is not a good (laughs) position, and I'm trying to find upside late in, in some of these draft and hold leagues. And Jose Miranda is someone that I've drafted already so far myself. So he's he's a name that I'm looking at. Uh, Mike, is there anyone else you'd like to mention? Maybe a prospect that you're looking to buy in Dynasty?
1: Ooh, I love Dynasty. I'm getting more into Dynasty over the last two years. I've been Same. playing keeper leagues for years, right? But there's a difference between keepers and Dynasty. You would agree? Oh, yes, for sure. I keepers... My home league is a keeper league. You know, you keep like
0: four. Some keeper leagues, you keep six players. And then I play in the Scott White Dynasty League, which is a 24-team points league where... <laughs> You can, like, there's contracts involved, and they move up every year, but you can essentially keep your entire team if you want to, and every team has up to 12 minor leaguers times 24 teams. It gets deep (laughs) really, really fast. So, yeah,
1: there's definitely a difference. Scott White, you are bringing it. By the way, Scott, I know you're not here, but you are the man. Your Michael Kane is legendary. I will say this. For Dynasty purposes, I do a show... It's called the Palazzo Podcast. That's my main fantasy baseball podcast. And when we do full episodes, they're usually an hour, hour and a half, but we do these half-hour, power half-hours, I like to call them, with Phil Goyette, who's a good friend of mine who really knows prospects. I want to strongly recommend Phil because he feeds me information and I really learn a lot from him. And when we do those prospect power half-hours, really enlightens me to deep dynasty plays because he loves himself from dynasty. So here's a guy I'll throw out here. His name's Kyle Stowers. It's S T O W E R S of Baltimore. Uh, He's a second rounder from 2019 who just kind of really took off. He had 73 walks this season and really had an elite OBP among several levels. He got up to double and I believe triple a. So that's a guy that I would look at for a deeper dynasty play that people probably aren't even paying attention to because he's not, on the radar in front of your main stage. He's not on the marquee saying, hey, I'm Kyle Stowers. No, but he did hit 27 home runs as well. So a guy who hit 27 bombs with a 380-plus OBP on the Orioles, who are, you know, they have a lot of opportunity right now on their team. That's a fun name and an under-radar play that I'd be looking into.
0: All right, lefty bat here, and I'm looking at, you mentioned he played across three levels, high A, triple A, even got 22 games in at... uh did I, did I say it's double A or t- whatever?
1: No, got, I didn't mention the strikeout, rate. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> no, <laughs> He's no. got a problem with that. Yeah, so. no, he, 171
0: <laughs> strikeouts in 124 games. So the strikeouts, yeah, they're an issue. But hey, three true outcomes? I, I think that could play in, in Baltimore. So uh, name two yeah. pay attention to there. Kyle Stowers of the Baltimore Orioles. Fill in the blank. Number three, let's get back to this. There is a blank percent chance Byron Buxton plays at least... 120 games in 2022, assuming that there is a full season. We'll see what happens. Obviously, we're in a lockout right now. But that's the number today, Like 120 games for Mondesi, for Buxton. There's a world of talent for both of these guys. Can they stay healthy? Blank percent chance Buxton could get to 120 games.
1: Is a uh, snowball's chance in hell a percentage? <laughs> it can be Whoa. for this. Okay. Well, there it is then. That's what I select because Buxton is supremely talented. We don't need to relive the stats. We all know the story. Oh, he's so good. But forever tantalizing. And it's fascinating that he signed this wild deal, this wild seven-year contract for $100 million, sort of, but with tons of incentives into it that could make it even bigger. He's betting on himself. I do like the fact that he's betting on himself. It would like... It would like for me to buy into the fact that he's taken nutrition, uh fitness, not that he's not already a great athlete as it is. He just he just played so hard where he blew into centerfield walls and threw his body around like it was nothing, like he had no regard for it. So maybe if he changes some of that style and focuses on some of these things that athletes are doing today, you know, LeBron James is still playing at a super elite level at, you know, a super old age, 20 seasons into the NBA almost. So there are ways for athletes to really take advantage of the modern technology and all of the knowledge we have today to take care of the body better. If he could do some of that and he applies that, then there's actually a chance. But look at all the things I just had to mention for there to be a possibility of this happening. It seems like it's a lot of variables.
0: Yeah, so look, we know the deal with Byron Buxton. You just broke it down. He's played more than 100 games just once in his MLB career. That was 140 back in 2017. He hasn't played more than 87 games in any season since then, But man, he was so, so, so good this past season. 10.05 OPS uh, was second among hitters with at least 250 plate appearances. If you combine just his 2020 and 2021, it's only 100 games. 32 homers, 11 steals, 288 batting average. I mean, like Mondesi, you don't even need a full season for this guy to... To really pay off. Um, So what do you think about that possibility? His ADP, 64.5. He's behind Tyler O'Neal, who we talked about. He's behind Mondesi. He's going just behind Nick Cassianos, just ahead of Eloy Jimenez. What do you think about that price tag?
1: Well, it's definitely understandable. All you drafters out there, you set the market, you set the price, and we obsess over ADP. It gives us a, a gauge. It lets us know what everybody else is doing. But it doesn't really explain it all the time. And in fact, the more hardcore leagues you're in, the higher the price is for entry, the more likely it is that your ADP is going to go flying out the window. I mean, I played the main event last year, which is a $1,700 entry fee for the first time. And I finished third, by the way. It's not bad. So I got my money back. Woo! Nice. Never have I been so grateful, Frank, to get my money back in a league <laughs> that I was in that league. It's felt like I won, you know? But... In that type of situation, ADP changes. But in this situation, if you're asking me, I I don't mind the price. I still think I'd rather wait because there's always gems deeper on later on at a deeper ADP. You know, Tyler O'Neill last year, his ADP was much less than it was last year. I mean, it was it was like 280 plus around there, 240, 250, beyond that. So I'm looking for somebody deep down in there again that I can find.
0: All right. Let's move on to fill in the blank number four, our first starting pitcher that we're gonna talk about here. If Shane McClanahan throws 160 plus innings, he'll finish as a top blank starting pitcher. Top 30, top 20. What are you thinking, Mike, when it comes to Shane McClanahan?
1: If he pitches that many innings, Frank, 160 innings. I have no doubt saying he's a top 20 SP. Easy, easy.
0: Well, look at what he just did this past season, right? 343 ERA, the whip a little bit high, one two seven, hundred and forty-one strikeouts over 123 and a third innings pitched in his first season. Now I'm thinking 123 he got to this year. Why can't he? Why can't he get to 160? You know, maybe 160's pushing it a little bit. I would say 150 is probably a fairer bet for Shane McClanahan. Obviously, he pitches for the Tampa Bay Rays. They need him. They need him to give innings. You know, they they're not gonna have Tyler Glass now for the season. They're going to be depending on Shane Boz. But I think McClanahan, as we saw in the postseason, he's going to be their guy. They don't really have a choice. They need him to be that guy. Lots of swings and misses for him. Lots of hard contact as well. His 14.8% swinging strike rate was tied for eighth among pitchers with at least 120 innings pitched this past season. His hard hit rate was also in the bottom sixth percentile, so does give up a lot of hard contact. You know what it reminds me a little bit of? Shane Bieber. When he first came up, strikeouts were there. Get some swings and misses. Obviously, the strikeouts have gotten even better since he first uh, came onto the scene. But he got hit hard. He would live in the zone too much. And that's something that I noticed. His, Shane McClanahan, his zone rate was a little bit above league average this past season. It was like two or three percentage points above. So I think he needs to get out of the zone a little bit. His fastball was a little bit too hittable. But, man, you talk about the stuff. 97-mile-per-hour fastball. He's got an awesome Ooh. slider, curve. Got to work on the changeup a little bit, but... Uh, maybe a legit four pitch arsenal here. I'm with you, man. If he, I think if he gives us 100 and, 150, I would say he's top 25 pretty easily. If he gives us 160, yeah, he's he's a top 20 starting pitcher. Uh, what do you think about actually buying in on Shane McClanahan this upcoming season? His ADP it's pretty high actually. People people are in on Shane McClanahan. I get it. Uh, yeah. 105.9 is the ADP for Shane McClanahan. He's going. Other pitchers in his range, I only see a relief pitcher. That is Giovanni Gallegos. Pablo Lopez is behind him. Tyler Malley. Carlos Rudon. Justin Verlander, who we'll talk about in just a lot A lot of bit.
1: risk. A lot of risk with all those guys you
0: just mentioned. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you, do you like Shane McClanahan the most of those risky
1: pitchers? Hell yeah, Frank. I'm in on this. <laughs> I dig it. I love him. I want to see more of him. He's a race pitcher. They know what they're doing. Also, you mentioned... Glasnow's out. Glasno, Torinos, McKay, all three of those guys, long-term surgery recoveries. They're, they're out of the picture. You go to a roster resource on Fangraphs, and you know, who doesn't these days, you definitely are going to see an opportunity for him to flourish all day. He could be the absolute stud ace in 2022 of a potential World Series team. So I'm actually not even that mad at that ADP. In fact, I'm kind of down with it. I thought it was going to be higher than that. So if I can get him at 105-ish, I'm... I'm in, Frank. I'm
0: all in. What would you want him as? Like your SP2, your SP3 on your staff?
1: I would I would go... The way I built... You know, this is all roster construction. We would have a whole different show. We could talk about this, Frank. But <laughs> yeah. I think... Uh, I could go as high as seeing him as my two. I really could, depending on how the roster was being constructed. I really would do that.
0: Yeah, I think in a deeper league, like a 15-teamer, I can get away with him being my SP2. You know, I yeah. might I might back that up a little bit sooner with my SP3. You know, someone that I feel a little bit safer in terms of the innings. But uh, in a 12-teamer, yeah, I think I think you get him as your SP3 and like whatever, the eighth, ninth round. I, I think that's, that's totally doable for Shane McClanahan. We're up to song number two. And... <laughs> This is, I, I believe this is one that, like, they even used to sing on this podcast. I mean, look, I've been here since March of last year. This podcast has been around way before that. I'm sure everyone who's listening or watching knows that by now. But let's let's just cue it up, and, and then we'll talk it out. Song number two, what do we got? what makes me laugh <laughs> so great so I mean look they're all great I, it's just it's it's so good uh completely random do you watch the show what we do in the shadows oh
1: my gosh you know that's always been on a list that I've never actually watched it though that's a uh, Taika Waititi isn't it what <laughs> ta- ta- Taika Waititi did I say his name right or I totally blow that I don't know um, is that like the name of one of the actors or something Oh the director yeah he's the guy uh, who's behind like he's from New Zealand i believe and, and uh That's there's definitely a
0: chance that like i watch shows i don't know who directs them i don't, oh, <laughs> I, don't
1: wow. I don't know the names Look of at like you frank I don't, you're being no, really exposed right here no, he no. did direct the the cool thor the third thor he was no he's known for that uh he was also on a, an episode of the Big Show, known as the Mandalorian, playing the robot voice. But uh, oh. yeah, whatever. He's known. He's a dude.
0: All right. Yeah. No. You're 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 spot on here. Uh, there's also a movie <laughs> that they did too. So maybe he was uh, he played some kind of role in that as well. Yeah. And, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a movie. There originally was a movie. Now they came out with a show. It's on Hulu. If anyone wants to watch it, I dressed up as one of the characters for Halloween, and it's about vampires that live in Staten Island. It's it's really funny. It's hilarious. It's you know sitcom style. Uh, but there's one episode where one of the vampires goes into a a disguise where he's a regular human bartender. And that's like the song that he plays while he's (laughs) like dancing around the bar. It was just, I don't know, it made me think of it. So if you haven't watched it yet, it really is amazing. So I would recommend. Anyway, Mike Soroka. Speaking of my Soroka. Look, we don't know when we're going to see Mike Soroka again. I mean, the guy tore his Achilles for the second time and it's very unfortunate. He's still young. He's only 24 years old. So there's a chance that... You know, he still will contribute at some point in time, and I'm rooting for it, man. Like, I don't think we have any data of people tearing their Achilles twice. I know that, I think, like, Adam Wainwright did it once. I know Ryan Howard did it back in the day. Uh, Obviously, Adam Wainwright's still going, but (sighs) do you have any idea when we see Mike Soroka, or if there's any chance he contributes (laughs) anything in 2022?
1: By the way, I was really pushing the limits of my vocal range on that song. In case you didn't notice that, it was it was getting tough. But uh, I I snuck it out. I pulled it off. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah. No, thank you. I I yeah. You know where your place is. And right now, Mike Soroka needs to know what his place is. And that's unfortunately on the bench on the IL for a long time. Uh, I think if we see him at all, it'll be in a relief role to start. I, I mean, maybe they. Maybe they feel like they will need him in a starting role and they can allow him to build back up in the minors once it gets back to that point. But yeah, it's going to be a while. Definitely not somebody you're drafting. Definitely somebody that you keep tabs on early on. You put on your watch list, right? You keep the watch list with Mike Soroka at the top of it, but you don't expect much in 2022.
0: Yeah, even if you're drafting now, if you're doing best ball, if you're doing draft and holds, Mike Soroka not someone that you should be looking at. What I'm reading here is... Maybe he'll be ready for live action around June or July. Live action doesn't mean that he'll be back on the team by then. I mean, that's vague. vague. (laughs) him rehabbing and, you know, maybe he's throwing off of a mound by then. But uh, I don't know how much he's going to contribute this year. Speaking of keeper leagues, which we mentioned earlier, this is a name to keep your eye on. If you have whatever, 10 IR spots or however many, and you have the ability to stash him, and you can keep him at a low cost for the following season... I think that's something you might want to look into. So remember that when it comes to uh, very late in your keeper league drafts. I did want to ask you about a fellow Atlanta Braves starting pitcher, though, someone that will be in their rotation of starter, or at least I think he will be. Wascari Noah, who really just burst onto the seat, uh, scene last year. He's only 23 years old. He made He pitched in 18 games. He made 17 starts. I believe it was a broken hand because he punched a wall, which is just very foolish because he was having an awesome Aww. season. Uh, but overall, 405 ERA, 111 whip, over a strikeout per inning. The problem is he's kind of Demelson-Lamette-ish where he only has the two pitches. <gasps> he has the fastball. He has a the slider. They're really good pitches, but again, they're only two pitches. What do you think about Wascar <gasps> Wow,
1: I can't believe you invoked Lamette. Wow, that is <laughs> harsh. Um, By the way, you said fellow. It makes me feel like the Braves are like a research academy. We're a fellow at the Atlanta Braves Institution of Pitching, and yes, they're all very elite. They do pump out good starters, so there might be something to that. But, Wasker, it's a great name, by the way. I love that name. And I want to give a shout-out to Chris Marr, Baseball Pods, on Twitter. He gave me a pronunciation guide for 2021, and it really helped me out with this one in particular, because I did not have it correctly the first time, but I got it right now. Huascar Inouye is a great pitcher, very excited about his future. He throws fire. He is electric. Uh, you know, he's angry at times. We all get angry. I know I've made mistakes in life. Or I haven't punched walls, but I've certainly, you know, been negative about my own self-esteem. So I get it. Hey, I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but I know what it's like to be frustrated, Huascar. And in 2022, I'm actually really excited about him because this team comes back ready to rock, and I believe he's going to be one of their key assets Barring any type of injury issue, which I don't expect there to be coming into the season, he should be healthy and ready to rock. I really think that his stock is on the rise. Uh, he's a guy who give you a K-9 I'm over 9 as a starter. I dig that. I love that. The walks aren't too awful at all, so I'm excited for him in 2022.
0: All right. I mentioned this draft a few times already that I'm doing, and I wound up with Enoa as my SP5 on a staff that also Ooh. included Scherzer, Alcantara, Logan Gilbert, Aaron Savale,
1: and then I brought wow. it back with uh, Waskar Noah. So that is incredible. That's a fantastic staff. I'm not even kissing your butt here. That is, I would love to have that staff. Good call. Nice job.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah, the ADP right now for Enoa is uh, 232. So for those who play in 12-team leagues, he'll be a late-round flyer. If you're doing one of these deeper drafts, obviously uh, he might wind up being someone that you uh, you plug in, you plug and play based on the on the matchups here. Fill in the blank number five. Let's get back to the fill in the blanks over the past month. Justin Verlander's ADP is 110.7. So that's right around the 9-10 turn in a 12-team league. Now, if Verlander looks like himself in spring training, this ADP will jump blank spots.
1: (laughs) If He's himself, and everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid, as we like to say. I think it jumps 80 spots easy. 80 spots. So that puts him...
0: In the thirtieth range, right? So a th- a third round pick, yeah. Why wouldn't I mean, it, right? So I, I I made this comp recently, and I said, look, if Verlander looks like himself in the spring. What's the difference between him and Chris Sale, honestly? I, exactly. Look, Chris Sale made starts last year. I get it. He didn't really go deep into his starts. I believe he made. Eight or nine starts, only one of them. He went six innings or more. It was literally, I think, six innings on the dot. Uh, last time we saw Verlander in a full season, he was amazing. 2019, he finished as the number one overall player in 5x5 five five Roto. There, there was some stuff going on about, like, he didn't sign his deal before the lockout. That has all been squashed. He has officially signed a one-year, $25 million deal to return to the Astros with a conditional option for year two, where if he reaches 130 innings in 2022 then he will get that extra year for 2023 so that's the astros showing a little bit of faith that you know he'll he'll be able to get there and obviously justin verlander um trusting himself and and you know thinking that he'll be able to get over 130 innings uh as well if you want verlander you should be drafting right now because like this is the absolute lowest that he's going to be i think like the closer and closer we get you're right i does he move up 80 spots? I don't know. Can it be 60, 70? You know, is he a fourth, fifth round pick? Yeah. I, I think a minimum. Can, oh yeah. I think it could get that high. So yeah, if you're drafting right now, he's someone that you should be target targeting. Um, what would you want him as? Yeah, you know, kind of like Shane McClanahan. He doesn't he doesn't go that far after McClanahan. Would you want him as your SP three, SP two?
1: Yeah, you know, this is a track record, a guy, Hall of Famer. his motion his mechanics they're so repeatable they're so flawless i mean i'm a detroiter so I'm born and raised michigander here growing up love my tigers go tigers like uh ex-cojo used to say go tigers and i am a fan of justin verlanders even though he left i was happy when he won a world series even if they did cheat i feel bad about that but you know i'm still kind of happy for him he's got a perfect life he's got a wonderful wife who's also from michigan kate upton which is very cool. But in terms of fantasy value, because none of that has to do with his fantasy prospects, what I would do is probably have him be the two. I I don't know if I could trust him as my one just because he's 39, even though he's amazing. And he's still, if he's healthy, if he's as is, he's a top 15 pitcher for sure. But it's funny you mentioned Chris Sale, Frank, because when I was doing the research for this show, that was a name I wrote down, and I was surprised that his ADP was at 49, I thought it should be higher than that. Chris Sale is a legit stud who's healthy now, and he'll be ready to go this season. So why wouldn't you want Chris Sale as your SP1? I I actually have more faith in the fact that I would take Sale as a 1 as opposed to Verlander as a 1. Just because we've seen Sale back, we know he can do it. He's further along in his program from the injury. So knowing that, that's really the difference maker for me to say, hey, I'm going with Sale as a number 1, but Verlander will be a nice 2.
0: I don't really have a reason, anything to say against Chris Sale. I mean, outside the only thing that I noticed was that the swinging strike rate was down considerably. I think it's fair. I mean, it's his first time pitching coming off Tommy John surgery. So, you know, it was down a couple of percentage points. The changeup for him was not very good as well. Is that something that, you know, he can work back into as he throws more innings? I think that's a possibility as well. Fastball velocity still looked all right. Slider looked very, very good. He got a lot of whiffs on that pitch again. And you look at the range that he's going around right now. His ADP is right around Robbie Ray. He's going, uh, it looks like, eight spots ahead of Logan Webb. uh, Nine spots ahead of Freddie Peralta. So, yes, there's upside with these pitchers, but there's also, I I would say, considerable risk. You you could say that about any starting pitcher, but specifically those names that I mentioned. Robbie Ray was awesome last year. Can you repeat it? Uh, Chris Sale, obviously a little bit older, coming back from Tommy John surgery. Logan Webb, Was awesome last year. Can you repeat it? Freddie Peralta, huge innings jump. Is that going to affect him in twenty twenty two? We have question marks for all these guys, and I think you know if you're taking a shot on one of them, why why
1: not Chris Sale? So he's got the track record. I agree. Also, I'll say this: that Robbie Ray is probably one of the most fascinating and curious cases for 2022. Will he be that guy again? Because we all need to see him do it again. At least I do. I can't draft him that high expecting that he's going to do it forever all of a sudden after he couldn't do it for most of his career. So that's a huge, huge if, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, the one thing that I do like about Robbie Ray's offseason is, is landing in Seattle. I mean, it's just a great landing spot in terms of ballpark, True. division, the teams that he's going to go up against. Obviously, just getting out of Toronto and he was really good in Toronto and getting out of the American League East. You know that that I think that represents a pretty safe floor right there for Robbie Ray. But in terms of can he harness the control that he showed this past year? Definite question marks when it comes to Robbie Ray, especially if you're drafting him as your your SP one in Fantasy Baseball. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll have fill-in-the-blank number six here on Fantasy Baseball today. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. All right, so let's get back into the the fill-in-the-blanks. A reliever one, a closer one. Last season, Jake McGee had 31 of 56 San Francisco Giants saves. That's 55%. Over the Giants' last three full seasons, they've averaged 44 saves as a team. Now, let's say Camilo Duvall... Earns fifty-five percent of those forty-four saves. I'm not saying all this math is gonna line up, but just let's let's roll with it for now. Fifty-five percent of forty-four is twenty-four saves. If you earn that from Camilo Duvall, he'd finish as a top blank closer. Top ten, top twelve, top fifteen. What do you think, Mike? I think I think that's
1: top fifteen, I think. Is fair. Yeah, top 15. That's tough. That's- yeah.
0: Yeah. Look, when it comes to the Giants, uh, Gabe Kapler is still their manager, and he did a fantastic job. I, look, I have someone who in the past have... I've been very, very frustrated with Gabe Kapler. I remember one year I drafted Hector Neris as my closer <laughs> when Gabe Kapler was the manager of the Phillies. I think it was opening day. Some Joe Schmo came in and got the save, and I'm just like, where's Hector Neris? This is very, very frustrating. But I will say... For the most part, you know, Jake McGee was his guy last year. Or so I thought. I mean, he only had 55% of the saves. Uh, Like, they just had so many saves as a team and so many opportunities that, you know, the 31 winds up looking really good for Jake McGee. So this isn't like, I guess it is kind of a play against Camilo Duvall. I think the stuff is nasty. When he returned in September, 13 innings, I know it's a small sample, He allowed seven hits, two walks, zero runs, 18 strikeouts with a near 17% swinging strike rate. He finished eight games in September and the postseason. Jake McGee finished five. So they were starting to hand that role over to Camilo Duvall. He's currently the 14th closer off the board in the NFBC at pick 155.6. What do you think about that price tag, Mike? Both the fact that he is the 14th closer and he's going just inside the top 160.
1: The price is all right. I don't have a big issue with that, but I certainly am not excited to take him at that price. I can see why the price would be that way because closers right now, we're in a really pivotal pivotal spot here. A unique time, I think, because closer prices are getting even more expensive now. Even compared to last year, they're jumping up. Josh Hader, all the elites, Hendricks, are moving up even higher in ADP. Last year, they started to go 15-teamers like around around 4-ish. And now they're coming up to like the third round. Some people might even start taking him in the second round. I've seen it happen or I've heard about it happening. I haven't officially drafted yet, but the fellow drafters are telling me that is going down. So if you're going to take a guy like Duval that you believe in, then I could totally validate that ADP. But again, this is the argument with what we were just discussing with Justin Verlander. I trust the track record. I trust Chris Sale's track record. Duval still has to show it to me a bit. And especially when it comes to closers, I never want to overpay. I never have. And I know this is an endless debate in the community about don't overpay for saves. You know, you can save saves later. There's all this talk about it. People talk about it. They argue about it. I'm not here to debate it. I just know that generally waiting on closers who have not quite yet latched on to jobs usually works for me. Usually.
0: Song number three. And this is the last song that we will play on the day. When it, uh, when it comes to our friend here, Mike Ovier and the songs that he put together. Uh, we're going to play this one, and then we're going to talk about this player because I don't know that we've ever talked about this player on this podcast, and that needs to change.
1: He's Edwin Rios and he has the strongest hands. When a control his it-
0: Fantastic work. Again, Edwin (laughs) Rios. Edwin Rios, for those who don't know, is in the Dodgers organization, third baseman, first baseman. He only played 25 games this past season. He batted 078, only one homer. He had shoulder surgery in May, so apparently he was playing through injury. He missed the rest of the season. He's expected to be ready for the start of 2022. Mike, what do we think? Can Edwin Rios finally get an opportunity to play here? We're expecting the universal DH with the Dodgers.
1: A lot up in the air right now in terms of Max Muncie. What do you think? He's Edwin Rios, and he has the strongest hands. I mean, the <laughs> song says it. It's all you need to know. What else do you need to know about baseball? If you got strong hands, you're probably a pretty good hitter. Uh, Edwin Rios might be an example of the guy for me. And we all have these dudes in baseball. I know if you're listening to this or you're watching this, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's a guy that you always hope will finally reach that that promised land he gets there he did it and finally he broke through 25 home runs or you know a guy who finally gave you 100 innings plus that you were hoping for as a pitcher but a lot of times it doesn't happen frank and that might be the case with edwin rios he's a talented dude he could crush the ball you know you take a look at some of his stat cast numbers he booms the ball he just absolutely tears into some baseballs there's tons of power there but uh There's a lot of players on this team. I know the Dodgers have had some attrition. There's been some people that have left now. There's opportunities that have opened up, but have they opened up for him? I am still suspect of that. A DH here, the universal DH comes back into play, would be a huge, huge boost for Edwin Rios to actually get some opportunity to hit 20-plus home runs.
0: Yep, Edwin Rios back in 2019. Look, we were all following this season in the minors, and, and it was a great one. 270 batting average, 31 homers, 91 ribbies. 9-15 915 OPS, just an awesome season. That player for me, Willie Calhoun. I know that he's earned opportunity <laughs> after opportunity, but another one, you just look at the minors. Everything that I saw said that this guy was gonna be a star. Made contact, put the ball in the air, he hit the ball hard, he can hit for power. Oh, man, I'm still waiting. Yep. I, I'm hoping it can happen. I'm, I'm I'm never giving up on my boy, Willie Calhoun. I'm rooting for you, too, Frank. <laughs> Willie was a special player. He still got it. It's not over for Willie yet. It's not over yet. Let, let's see what he could do here. The Rangers are making some moves, so, you know, some lineup protection. Let's see where he bats in that lineup. Uh, I'm interested to see for, for Willie Calhoun. I just want to ask you a few more follow-up questions here on the Dodgers. Max Muncy comes out like a month ago. He was on MLB Network and, and reveals that. He did tear his UCL, so this is something that normally requires Tommy John surgery. You know, we've seen hitters come back from that before. He didn't have surgery. He's, he's doing the rest and rehab, hoping that, you know, that, that's... It's, it's, it's going to do exactly that. It's going to rehab uh, over the course of these next couple of months as we get closer to spring training. We'll see what happens. Is he just a complete avoid until we know more? And with that, can it finally happen for Gavin Lux? Ugh...
1: <sighs> Gavin Lux is somebody that absolutely is talented, is exciting, is fun. Uh, he has been the hot prospect, like the prospect, whoever is the big prospect right now that you would consider like an Adley Rushman Gavin Lux has been like an Adley Rooshman, but... Then he falls off. He has a 2020 COVID year that's weird. Gavin Lux, I have no doubt, is talented enough. And if he's given the opportunity, he'll thrive. He will absolutely thrive. He'll be a great Dodger. All you LA fanboys and girls will love him. It'll be a great love affair in 2022 for Gavin Lux. But as far as Muncie, that love affair may be on pause. There could be a divorce that is being filed, unfortunately. Uh, I, I don't like to make light of that, but unfortunately... There are situations where players don't have what you need from them. And if you have a team like the Dodgers who have World Series aspirations, as always, every year, nothing changes there. And you got a guy saying, "Eh, you know, I'm trying to just rehab this. I've had it. I've actually torn my UCL, believe it or not. I mean, I'm just an average Joe, Frank, but I was playing pickup basketball at the University of Michigan in 2010 and I got a rebound. I grabbed it. And I turned to throw it down, an outlet pass right on the wing, and I threw it like a football. And this guy just stopped me from behind immediately, like stopped my emotion dead on. And I just tore it up. It was awful. It was, I screamed and jumped around like, ah, it was terrible, <laughs> terrible pain. It was awful. And I still don't know what that guy was thinking, by the way, because you just don't do that. It was a pickup game. We, you know, we're not professionals here, but anyways. Max Muncy, I hope that never happened to you. And I hope that's not the reason why your UCL is torn. But if you're trying to rehab it and you're expected to be a great hitter in 2022, Max, I've got big concerns about that, Frank. I am very, very dubious that Muncy will be someone that we can rely on in the first half. Now, maybe there's a second half here, but it's also could get to the point where it doesn't work out in the first half. And then he decides, well, I guess I had to have the surgery in the first place and then gets the surgery. And then you waste a roster in a spot that you probably took on a pretty... High end there. Max Muncy, you know, he's a top 150 player in baseball, so you're not just throwing peanuts out there. I am very, very concerned about Muncy, and I would be avoiding him until further notice.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you, too. And if anything happens further with him, I think that would only uh, entrench Gavin Lux in playing time there with the, uh, in the Dodgers lineup. And to the gentleman who contributed <laughs> to the tearing of Gauvier's, uh UCL here. If you're listening, shame. Shame on you. Pick a basketball game and you're out here causing torn UCLs. How dare you? Do you what still was p- he thinking? Still- mean, come on.
1: Do you still play, Mike? Still play basketball? Uh, I... I I would love to play. I haven't played in a minute, but I'm ready to go. I would love to get my lungs. It would probably take two weeks to get the lungs in capacity for that, but I'm ready to go. I'm not ready to give up my career just yet.
0: All right, all right. Well, I'm I'm toying with the idea of going out to uh, Arizona for the AFL next year. So if you are there and I am there and we are together, we'll play a little pickup basketball. We'll make it happen.
1: Let's do it. Let's do it. By the way, I rehabbed my UCL tear. I did not have surgery. I know you're all dying to know what I ended up doing. (laughs) I rehabbed it, and uh, I have had a very healthy arm ever since.
0: Oh, very nice. All right, well, so there's some hope. There's some hope here for Max Muncy. (laughs) Let's wrap up a few more fill-in-the-blanks. Let's just say Alex Bregman's power output in both 2018 and 2019 was a product of the juice ball, because as of now, it's kind of looking that way. I would project blank home runs for
1: Alex Bregman in 2022? Let's assume that he's healthy, too. Healthy season, Alex Bregman, 2022. I'm going to project 27 home runs. 27 home runs. I think that that is...
0: I think that's pretty fair. I think, let's say he plays 150 games. That's I never project anyone for a full season because it's just not realistic. Uh, if he plays, well, Steamer has him for 146. Uh, and they have him for 27 home runs as well. I'm going to go a little bit lower. Ooh. I'll say 25. I'll say 25 home runs for Alex Bregman. Remember 2018 and 2019, the guy was amazing. He hit 72 home runs during that stretch, seventh most in the MLB. That came with a 16.3% home run to fly ball ratio. He hit just 18 home runs over 2020 and 2021. That's 133 games, so not a full season, but not far off either. A 10.3% home run to fly ball ratio, has never really had great stat cast numbers. Do you need great stat cast numbers when you have the short porch in left field out there in Houston? Probably not. We just saw Jose Altuve hit 31 home runs. Uh the the other factor here is that Bregman just had wrist surgery. He underwent wrist surgery after the season, expected to be ready Ooh. for spring training, but you know, if that could be the reason why he he just had a, a pretty down year in in 2021. So I missed that,
1: by the way. The, I admit that freely. I totally missed that surgery, and I was going to actually blame the legs because he's had hamstring issues, a lot of leg problems the last two years, and I thought maybe that sapped some of his power. But if there's this wrist injury, too, to boot, then that is another That's another concern where I'm like, eh, maybe I should downplay that 27. I, I did not look at your steamer projections, by the <laughs> way, steamer. That was totally off the top of my head, I swear. Uh the ADP the ADP's fair fair though. It's it's 95
0: right now. So it's it's not egregious. It's not a huge asking price here for Alex Bregman. My takeaway from third base would be, you know, if if you can wait 20 almost almost 30 more spots and no, it's 20. 20 spots and get Anthony Rendon, which is currently how it's shaping out. It's That's probably just um, something that I would do instead. So what do you think? What just going to ask you that. What do you think about this price tag here? Uh, Alex Bregman, eighth third baseman off the board, pick 95.
1: That price tag is just fine by me. I might actually be hitting that up a lot, but I get the feeling in some of the sharper leagues that he'll probably go a little bit higher, but that'll also be dictated by my experience. We'll find out if I'm right about that, because I think... Uh, He's a really talented number two overall pick when he was drafted. His bat speed is flawless. I don't really think I know the cheating stuff and all the trash cans and all that and the ball, blah, 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 all that stuff. I get it. And I'm not dismissing it entirely, but this guy still is a really, really talented dude. There was a reason he was the number two overall pick and that bat speed. I've seen it, man. He, he swings through the zone. It's so quick. It's so smooth. I just have a hard time believing that he'll never get back to, I mean, 40 home runs, maybe those days are over. But I still think this is very much a dude who can hit 30 bombs in a season. And I was going to ask you, Rendon or Bregman, I'm torn between these two because they're both injured. They're both third basemen. There's a lot of questions about them. I I don't know what I'm going to do with Rendon even more than Bregman. At least with Bregman, I feel like I have a little more certainty that he's younger and that he's going to get right.
0: Yeah, I, I I like the one to two round discount that you could get on Rendon right now. That's more so in a 12-team league. They're basically one round apart and a 15-teamer. So I would take the discount on Rendon. If you're just if it's in a vacuum, if I'm on the clock, I need a third baseman, I'm deciding between those two, I would take Bregman. I, I believe I'm going to have Bregman ranked ahead of Anthony Rendon. He's younger. I understand he's coming off the wrist surgery, but you know Rendon has dealt with a ton of injuries himself. He's obviously, he's like 32, 33 years old at this point. Angels lineup is pretty good. Astros lineup is even better, uh, even without Carlos Correa. So uh, I'm going to lean Bregman there uh, in a vacuum. Him versus Anthony Rendon. Fill in the blank number eight in our last one here on the podcast. Pretty basic. I want Luis Castillo as my SP blank
1: on my fantasy team in 2022. This is a challenge. This really is a challenge. In fact, I wish I hadn't brought it up. Frank did ask me. He's like, hey, what do you want to talk about on the show? And I said, Luis Castillo. And he's like, oh, I was going to talk about him too. And then I thought about, well, I don't want to talk about him because he's just going to confuse me. And I'm going to sound like a moron on my CBS debut. It's going to be a disaster for me. Right now, this is a disaster. I'd feel like a fool. But if you're forcing me to answer the question, I will never back down. I'll never shy away. Always try to keep it real. I guess I'd have to say minimum... Probably SP three minimum. Uh, I, I I'm not going any higher than that. I mean, I'm not going one or two at all. There's no way I could trust him to be my one or two SP.
0: Okay, uh, his ADP right now is 75, so he's still going higher than McClanahan, higher than Justin Verlander, two pitchers that you said you wouldn't mind as your SP two. So I trust
1: Verlander more than him. Is that weird? I don't. Maybe that's a bias here. I mean, I might need to check myself, Frank. I don't know. I don't know that that's
0: weird, especially again, if we see Verlander healthy, like, why wouldn't you take that shot? Castillo, I think we know who he is at this point. If you just look at his career ERA and whip, I think that that is a very fair starting point when it comes to projecting Luis Castillo in 2022. Career ERA, 3.72, career whip, 1.22. That's who Luis Castillo is, give or take a few percentage spots in terms of the ERA, the whip. Maybe he's a little bit lower at times. Maybe he's a little bit higher at times. We know he got off to the awful start last year, the first two months. Brutal for Luis Castillo. At some point, his agent actually tweeted me on Twitter because I I said something bad about Luis Castillo. And he says, well, he can't pitch in cold weather not my problem that that's that's your player man Are like serious tell them to figure happening? it out i don't know like yeah it's, it's cold in cincinnati in in april the guy's got to figure it out he's a professional ball player but over his final 22 starts Luis castillo was very good got to give credit where it's due 273 era 120 whip the whip is always going to be high there's no doubt about it i think i would be okay with him as my sp2 the problem is just the price tag still i mean he's he's like a fifth Sixth round pick. So, uh, like the only way you're getting them as your SP three is if you're really aggressive on pitching early. And the way that this year's player pool is shaping up, the elite hitters dry up really fast. So I think within the first six, seven rounds of your draft, you you probably want three, four, five hitters. So I, I don't think that going like going overboard on starting pitchers early is the way to do it this year, or at least from from what I've seen so far, my experiences uh, in the draft that I've done. So, all right, you're a little bit lower there on Luis Castillo. Um, SP, yeah, SP2 for me, I, I don't know that it's actually going to happen. Let's just say you do draft him as your SP2. Who is a good SP1 to pair him with? Is it like the only way you're doing it is if you get a, an ace in the first couple of rounds, like a, a Wheeler, a Woodruff, maybe a Max Scherzer? Is that the only way you trust him as your SP2?
1: Uh, I think I think that's correct. Yeah. I mean, Garrett Cole and him, I could probably roll with that. Corbin Burns, of course. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I, I would be dubious and concerned that if we go back to what we talked about earlier with like a sale or a Robbie Ray and then I'm having Castillo be my two. I'd be really worried about that. I'd feel very uncomfortable about that situation.
0: Yeah, no, there's just a lot of risk. You're right about that. I mean, imagine Robbie Ray and Castillo as your first two <laughs> starting pitchers. Like, if the things, worst case scenario, <laughs> if things hit the like hit the fan, like you could be looking at uh, like a one three five whip combined from your first two starting pitchers, which is just busted, an, an absolute disaster. So, I still think he's talented, but man, Luis Castillo, oh, he he, he's got some stuff that he's got to figure out. So you're getting him at a discount compared to years past, but. This is probably where he should have been drafted all along. If If he gets traded, are you more excited? I think it depends where, right? So
1: Okay, yeah, that's true.
0: Who are the teams that are going to be in on pitching? I mean, obviously, I'm a homer. I got the Yankee stuff behind me. I think that they can use pitching. If Luis Castillo goes to Yankee Stadium, do we feel better about him there? No. I don't think so. I mean, the win potential... Sure, that'll help him, but pitching in the AL East against really tough offenses, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, even Tampa Bay is pesky. Like, nah, no, thank you. I, I don't think that's really going to help Luis Castillo. So, look, if he can land with like the Dodgers, sure. I mean, I, I think Seattle. I'd, Seattle's getting more
1: aggressive, yeah. like you said. Maybe that would be an interesting spot.
0: Seattle, yeah, Seattle. Uh, him and Robbie Ray on the same team. How about that?
1: <laughs> yeah, let's just do it. Let's just make it happen. <laughs> let's just do it for one season, so fantasy baseball can find out the truth. Yeah.
0: Oh, man, this was a lot of fun, Mike. I do appreciate you coming on here once again. Follow him over on Twitter, Govier. That's M-J-G-O-V-I-E-R. You can listen to him on the Palazzo podcast and, of course, co-owner over at Rotofanatic. Mike, we appreciate you coming on. Anything else, again, that you'd like to promote before you leave?
1: This has been fantastic, Frank. This flew by. You know, things are fun and you have a pretty cool job when the time just flies by like that. I love talking baseball. I love talking baseball with you now, Frank. We've developed a rapport and I'm excited to do this again down the road. Don't forget Palazzo Podcast, 2Ls, 2Zs on Twitter. You can follow us. We're not quite ramping up for 2022 just yet. We got the lockout. We're kind of like, well, when do we get this going? But likely as soon as the new year turns, we'll start going full bore. Last year, we did like 30 guests in January and February. It was a ridiculous pace. I'll probably not do that. That again, That was, like, very extreme. But uh, something like that will be going down for sure. So check us out there. Of course, Fanatic. Go to Fantrax.com slash Rotofanatic and sign up for a league. If you're going to sign up for a Fantrax best ball, like Frank said, or any other league at Fantrax, you might as well do it through Fantrax slash Rotofanatic. It's going to be a good time. Noodle salad. I guarantee it.
0: <laughs> all right. Appreciate you coming on for Mike. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Thursday. Bye-bye. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.